The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The Week 2 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. Thursday Night Football was back tonight. Did you make your bets? Did you go uh, to my bookie, did you take advantage of all the prop bets? And, you know, the, did you bet on the Panthers and then need to switch to the Bucks at halftime? Because you can do that at my bookie. That's why I go there. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Because let's face it, who you're betting with is just as important as who you're betting on. And I wouldn't be telling you guys to go to them if they weren't the best. And if you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year to do so. Join now, and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR. Visit MyBookie.ag today. At MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. And (laughs) this is a far cry from the episode that I dropped over the weekend uh had a lot of colorful language showed a lot of fire and venom and hellfire and brimstone uh because of my anger disappointment embarrassment shame whatever you want to call it from our beloved's performance last thursday against the packers it's been a long week and a half waiting to get back to this point but here we are once again a full week from the day and we still got three, four more days before we get to finally see our beloved return to the field and see if they can right the wrong. Lori Lattimore-Volkman from the Mile High Report from SB Nation, an old friend of ours, will be is back to help us preview uh, the game. So let's get on with the show. It's the week two preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground, so let's get to it. Like I said... It's been a long seven days just to get back to this point where uh, we're a week removed from our beloved's horrible performance. Uh, well, halfway horrible on offense, of course, being the case there uh, against the Green Bay Packers week one. The embarrassing home loss on national TV with the, you know, the whole world watching and, and, and what have you. Um, Lori Lattimore Volkman is back to help us preview week two with the, the Bears and the Broncos. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back, previewing week number two, back on our regular schedule uh, as far as previews and reviews uh, are concerned. And, um, you know, like I said, it, it's been a long, crazy week, and we still have, what's today? Today's the, today's the 12th, and we have until the 15th. So we got three more days of waiting before we finally get to see how the Bears will respond to the way that they performed last Thursday uh, against uh, against Green Bay, will they will they step back up and, and will they step up and right the wrong, even though it's on the road where they did not play as well uh, last year, or, or or will they continue to spiral? Will Mitch continue to struggle? Will the offensive line, uh, you know, be given fits by by Chubb and Von Miller and Vic Fangio, who knows this team better than any other that he'll probably face all of this year, uh, for that matter. So. All of those questions will still have to wait another three days to get answered. And then on top of it, 
it's the three o'clock game, so we got to sit through all the early games. We got to watch Green Bay and Minnesota go at it before the Bears and the Broncos take flight and 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 go uh, get it get down on on Sunday. So, <sighs> lots of waiting, lots of waiting, and then we got to wait another eight days before the Bears play the uh, Redskins on Monday night next week. So, yeah, lots of waiting in the schedule. Not a fan, not a fan, but. Uh, here we are back, uh, you know, doing the show here and, and, and ready to get at it. And, um, you know, it, it's – I am nervous about this game a little bit. Uh, I felt better about our chances uh, this coming Sunday after watching the Broncos play the Raiders on Monday night. Uh, the, I did – the things that I expected to see from the Broncos, I did not – um, we knew that when talking to Lori over the summer that the issues, the concerns mainly sat with the offense. The new quarterback with Joe Flacco, uh, Emmanuel Sanders' health, uh, you know, can uh, uh, Cortland Sutton step up in year, year number two? How will Noah Fant, their number one draft choice, the tight end from Iowa, how will he fit into the offense? Will Phillip Lindsay be able to bounce back from a late season uh, injury that he had, even though it was a wrist injury nonetheless? He missed the last, uh, you know, small portion of the of the season. Will he hit the sophomore wall that a lot of second year guys hit uh, this year? Um, because you have Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. You have Chris Harris on the back end. You got Vic Fangio calling the plays. You got Gotsis up front on the defensive line. You figured you've got a lot better pieces to work with than Fangio started with in Chicago. So. The defense should be good, or at least he's going to dial up some things to get some good and favorable matchups for Chubb and um, Von Miller, which is something that he never really had, Vic Fangio, when he was in Chicago. He didn't have two good, solid pass rushers coming off the edge because even in 2018, there were still questions uh, after we got Khalil Mack. I mean, God forbid, going into uh 2018 leonard floyd still being our, our 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 top guy aaron lynch being the guy that comes off the bench or off the other edge uh for him uh, we had sam acho uh as well and and you know isaiah irving and we drafted kylie fitz in the sixth round it still wasn't a, a, a you know a daunting pass rush i mean the first game of 2019 would have you believe floyd is is trying to live up to that number one draft choice uh status Roy robertson harris is getting after it uh, now and of course we have Khalil Mack who could be the best edge rusher in all of football but uh, you know even throughout 2018 it was the Khalil Mack show on one side and whoever could clean up on the other with the Broncos Chubb had a really good rookie season and Von Miller's a future Hall of Famer so right there the 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 one of the more key components of the defense for a 3-4 and what, Vingi, what Vic Fangio likes to run is already taken care of. He has his edge rushers. He knows who they are, and that's a good foundation uh, to have. We can get to the quarterback, and we've all seen the whole chicken versus the egg thing with is does the pass rush make your secondary better? Does the secondary make your pass rush better? It's like, well, we got two of the better pass rushers in the entire AFC on the same team on, on you know coming off the edge uh, from each other. So we've got that covered. Chris Harris can do his thing on the backside. Maybe that will open things up in the middle, and uh, and and we'll go uh, from there. The defense was not impressive uh, on Monday night, and and Laurie admits as much. And you know what it what troubles her about that, uh, having watched the the Raiders basically pick her defense uh, 
uh, apart. And it wasn't so much that they were able to do that. It's what wasn't happening with that defense that Von Miller, Bradley Chubb were virtually ineffective throughout the entire football game, which bodes well for the Bears because um, I saw a stat on Twitter today where like O-lines that allowed the most pressures in the league, you know, kind of like, and it just kind of broke down. This offensive line, like number, San Francisco was number one. They only allowed one pressure in their entire week one outing against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last week. Number one in the league, or at least the worst, I should say, was the Dolphins. They gave up 20 pressures. You know who number two was? The Bears at 19. We gave up 19, or we allowed 19 quarterback pressures. Hopefully, we can cut down on that drastically while taking Chubb and uh, Miller uh, out of the game and and be able to run our offense a lot more uh, effectively because that did af- seem to affect Mitch quite a bit was the constant pressure it seemed to speed up the clock in his head and forced him to make mistakes our friend Brett Coleman uh, from the film room had him on uh, just before the end of uh, of the off season there in July or early August uh, put out another video today of uh, what went wrong last Thursday basically bagging on Mitch and you know, as a Bear fan, obviously you don't like to see those kinds of things, but he was 100% right. And I tried to get him on the show, but our schedules couldn't line up. It was a last-minute last minute thing. He just dropped it Thursday afternoon, and I was able to watch it uh, on a break at, at work uh, uh, earlier today. And I tried to get it set up to, to get him on the show tonight so we could talk about it for a little bit, but unfortunately he wasn't available uh, tonight. So maybe we'll get Brett on at some other point uh during the season to uh maybe he'll drop something nice about the bears at some point uh you know or maybe he'll you know do a response video where like hey look at this Mitch looks like a guy that should be earning an NFL paycheck and, and not some bum who uh who's stealing money from the bears kind of thing so but um it it uh it did really kind of hold Mitch to task more so for his decision making than anything else uh, some of the throws that he made, it, it all came down to how he was responding to what was actually happening after the snap. Uh, pre-snap, he seems to you know, be able to read the defenses better and know where he wants to go with the football, but it just seems like once the ball is snapped, it's a free-for-all, it's chaos, and, and, and Mitch is doing his best to, to, to do it. Like the game is, Actually, it seems like the game is moving too fast for him uh, again, and hopefully this week against the Broncos – if the trend that we saw on Monday night continues with how ineffective Bradley Chubb and Von Miller were against the Raiders, who do not have as good an offensive line as we have, that maybe the game will slow down a little bit. Mitch will have more time. He'll be able to go through his progressions, find his receivers, and uh, connect better uh, than he did uh, last Thursday. So real quick, couple news uh, news and notes before we get to our interview with uh, with Lori. Um Number one, the, 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 the injury report, it's encouraging because there's still only three names uh, on the list. We have, uh, where did it go? Uh, Eddie Goldman is on the, on the, on the injury list with, a, with an oblique injury. That's the muscles that run down the side of your body, just in case you were wondering. And uh, he was limited yesterday, did not practice today. However, I did uh, get a chance to listen to Matt Nagy's press conference today. He doesn't think the oblique injury is a big deal for Eddie. He's like, I think he's going to be fine. So I'm going to take that for what it is. Even though he didn't practice today, maybe it was just a rest day for him. 
Uh, Rashad Coward with the elbow injury has been full go both days on Wednesday and Thursday. And the Trey Burton saga continues. And, and what I mean by saga is he's been limited both days in practice this week, Wednesday and Thursday. They spoke to him. He um, you know, expressed his desire to get back out on the field, how much he misses it. It's been a humbling process going through all of this, having to be patient, blah, 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 blah. And then he said the thing that kind of troubled me the most was that basically he has no idea if he's going to play on Sunday because he has good days and bad days with the injuries. Like some days I get up and I'm good, it's great, and I'm all ready to go. The next days I don't feel good at all. And I'm having trouble trying to process how to feel about all of this, Uh, especially when the fallout is something else that the Bears did uh, this week. We picked up tight end. P.J. Holtz off of waivers this week, which means we got to make a corresponding roster move to to stay at 53. And the 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 victim was uh, defensive tackle Abdullah Anderson. So the guy that we kept in lieu of Jonathan Bullard was waived on uh, Wednesday. He cleared waivers today. The Bears signed him back to the practice squad. So now the ultimate victim of this whole thing in the Trey Burton saga has become James Vauder because he was released from the practice squad today. So this the, the preseason star that everybody thought played enough to get a spot on the 53-man roster is now unemployed. And, you know, it, you, you can, you know, use my twisted logic and blame Trey Burton for all of it, but why would the Bears be signing this tight end if they thought they could depend on Trey Burton uh, to be there? So they, they went out and they got this kid... P.J. Foltz, he was on the uh, he was on waivers from the Redskins. They pick him up. The Bears cut Anderson. He clears waivers. They sign him back, so he's still on the team. But now James Vauders is now not going to be somebody that we can, you know, it, it's just it's it's a mess. It's a must. Now we have five tight ends uh, on the roster to go along with Burton, Broniker, Shaheen, uh, Bradley Soul, and um, who am I missing? Am I missing anybody? Burton, Shaheen, Broniker, sold. That's four, yeah. But and then PJ Holtz now, so that's the five. But um, so it's it's having a, a a deeper effect on on the team than I think the Bears are willing to admit at this moment. I think it shows a lot in where they think he is in the in the process. If they feel the need to sign this guy, and then the corresponding roster moves were to, you know, to 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 start chipping away at uh, at guys that uh, <laughs> that. Bear fans have no, you know, like I, I'm a, I'm a James Vauders fan. I mean, we, we basically had those guys shoved down our throats during the preseason. He was one of the few uh, that stood out and made plays. A lot of people thought he did well enough to make the team instead of Isaiah Irving, but instead it's Irving that makes the squad. Vauders that goes was waived and and you know was signed to the practice squad, and and now because of this whole Trey Burton thing, we added another tight end to kind of shore up the position a little bit. Who knows how much Holtz is going to play if he does uh, on uh, on Sunday. You know what would really kind of piss me off is if Burton does play and Holtz is inactive and now Abdullah Anderson isn't on the active roster and James Vauders, it, it basically kind of cancels it all out. Like this was all for nothing. Like I understand P.J. Holtz is somewhat of an insurance policy so that Matt Nagy can kind of run the full spectrum of what he does. But if Burton plays, Holtz will most likely be the inactive uh, guy on Sunday I don't think we're going to carry five tight ends into the game 
uh, on Sunday. But this whole thing with Trey Burton is kind of kind of annoying me. This this whole thing, and and it just uh, like I said, I'm having trouble trying to process how I ultimately feel about this. I can't wait to see Burton back out on the field, you know, so I can get him out there and and, and watch him catch some passes and, and be Mitch's favorite target and the two of them doing their thing together uh, so we can kind of forget about all this un- nonsense and, and uh, you know, play football uh, kind of thing. It's like we're, we're, we're not putting our best foot forward on offense because Trey Burton is a big part of what the Bears do on offense i mean just look at our last two games we had to play the eagles game without him we had to play the the packers game without him he it did seem like something was missing out there even though we signed cordero patterson we got mike davis we got david montgomery to kind of offset what we didn't have in that eagles game but it still seemed like something was missing because tight ends weren't really a factor at all in that game against the packers last thursday so I mean, no one was really a factor outside of uh, Allen Robinson offensively, but nonetheless, that's where we're at with this. And it's uh, it's getting harder and harder to root for, for Trey Burton when this thing just seems to keep uh, dragging on. And, and, and honestly, for as long as we've had to wait for him to get right and get healthy and, and get back out on the field, he kind of needs to come out like a bat out of hell and, and, and have a big game when he does finally take the field. So if it is this Sunday, you know, I'm going to need him to get open, make some catches, get some first downs, maybe even score a touchdown uh, or, you know, or, or something like that to have an impact on the game to show us what we've all been waiting for, uh, for it all to be worth it. I mean, if he comes out there, we target him twice for one catch for two yards or something lame like that, people are going to be pissed. It's like, really? Again, it would be kind of like what you hear me talk about with, with Lori when we both complained about how our team showed up or didn't or you know what they showed in their uh, season debuts uh, last week was like we waited all this time for that and with Trey Burton we've waited even longer because he he was he he practiced in the preseason in training camp and and then he didn't he he re-aggravated the injury and it's kept him out and he's still day-to-day he's limited he's talking about having good days and bad days with it so I mean, it, this speaks to the potential of, of having like, okay, he was able to play Sunday, but he's having bad days next week so he doesn't play next Monday against the the Redskins. Maybe he's ready to go against the Vikings week four uh, or that we push that back to the Oakland game in the U.K. And, you know, all it just seems like it's something that could drag on, and and I'm not up for that. Honestly, I'm just not. I just want him to f- get it figured out, get healthy, get on on field so we can move on and play football so that's why I'm kind of having trouble with how to feel about it I know Trey Burton is important I know that he produces when he's out there Um, so we just need him to get out there for Christ's sake hurry up and get your ass out there so we can play some football and and, and get on with this so uh, anyway other than that it's kind of shallow on uh, on news this week Uh, real quick on the Broncos side of the injury report you hear Lori and I talk about this, uh, the Bryce Callahan foot injury. Uh, he did not play Monday night against the Raiders. He did not practice Wednesday. He was limited today on Thursday. And signs are kind of pointing that he may not be ready for Sunday. And even if he is, he's probably not going to be where he needs to be. 
Uh, Juwan James, their starting right tackle, uh, injured his knee on Monday night against the Raiders. It was thought to be much worse than it was. He found out that it wasn't season-ending, but he hasn't practiced this week and is not going to play on Monday, or excuse me, Sunday uh, against the Bears. Uh, Andy Jonovich, their fullback, is uh, hasn't practiced yet this week with a pectoral issue. Uh, Joseph Jones and Todd Davis, their starting inside or their inside linebackers. Jones with a tricep injury has not practiced yet. Todd Davis has been limited with a calf injury, and then Ron Leary, their starting right guard, I believe he's the right guard, has been limited on both days, Wednesday and Thursday, with a quadricep injury. So the 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 part that uh, the part of the t- the offense that was kind of failing the Broncos on Monday, which was their offensive line, which is why Philip Lindsay wasn't as big a factor as he could have been uh, in the football game. And, you know, the last thing that you want to have is offensive line issues when the Chicago Bears uh, are coming to town because our, our front seven is nasty. We don't just have Khalil Mack. We have a very motivated uh, Leonard Floyd. We have Eddie Goldman up the middle. And, you know, like I said, we've already talked about how he's a little banged up, but Coach Nagy believes he's going to be fine. And then we've got Roy Robertson-Harris, who played like a beast on Thursday against the Packers. you got Akeem Hicks. You got uh, the linebackers in the middle. Our guys are healthy, Trevathan and Roquan Smith. And let's not uh, forget about our, our uh, all-pro uh, all safety, Eddie Jackson, and our uh, you know Pro Bowl uh, corner, uh, Kyle Fuller. And that's not to mention also another Pro Bowl safety in Ha Clinton Dix and our other corner, Prince of Mukamura. We're stacked on defense. So the last place that you want to be having injuries and, and issues and question marks is on your offensive line when the Bears are coming into town. It's a matchup that we should be able to take care of and take advantage of, I should say, wholeheartedly uh, on Sunday uh, when we take on the uh, Broncos. So this thing is setting up very well to be a get-back game uh, for the Bears, for them, for, for, their, for an opportunity to, to right the ship, get a victory, uh, you know, and, and get settled into the season as opposed to what happened last Thursday uh, against the uh, against the Bears, or excuse me, against the Packers, I should say. And, um, you know, we w- with the issues that they were having on the defensive side with the Broncos, uh, you know, it's it's our chance for our offensive line to, to get settled and reestablish itself and, you know, to make up for what happened last Thursday against the, the Packers, to get the running game going, uh, to get Mitch the time that he needs to make his reads and make his throws and, and things like that. We want to keep Mitch clean so we can kind of build up that confidence. There's a lot of beat writers talking about how he seems a little bit dejected and, you know, not his usual peppy, you know, upbeat kind of self this week when addressing uh, the media. They think that that loss with the, uh, against Green Bay is kind of sticking with him. And if that is the case, what better way to, to fix that than to have an impressive performance against the Broncos, get the Bears on uh, back on the road to victory and kind of erase what happened last Thursday against the Packers. So, um, yeah. We'll talk more about the keys to the game after uh, the conversation with Lori Lattimore-Volkman, and we'll get to her uh, in just a moment. But first, <coughs> remember, guys, you can double your first deposit at mybookie.ag. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G uh, with the promo code CHAIR. That's promo code CHAIR, C-H-I-R. 
to double your first deposit at my bookie and um you know my bookie has been uh a strong supporter of uh of the armchair media network and the bears talk underground and guys if you're not feeling as strong in the bedroom might i suggest blue chew want to increase your performance and get that extra confidence in the bedroom then you got to go with blue chew that's blue like the color Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved ingredients, active ingredients, as Viagra and Cialis. So if you're in the mood to uh, sit in separate bathtubs out in the middle of a meadow for some random reason, Blue Chew is the way to go. Uh, You can take them anytime, day or night. (laughs) I always love that, day or night. Yeah, whatever. On a full or empty stomach, and since they are chewable, They work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Like if your lady wants to get out of the tub and out of the random open meadow and into the actual house where you can have some privacy, you're going to be ready to go when you take your blue chew. If you can benefit from some extra function and more confidence where it counts, like the confidence to ask your lady to sit in a tub, a separate tub, in a blank field in looking at the sunset for some reason, uh, rather than taking... Never mind. But uh, <laughs> Blue Chew is fast is a fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Uh, Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness like having to run uh, naked and wet into the house after your bath in the blank and, and meadow 50 yards away from the house. I never really understood what that was all about. I, I didn't get it. Like, what? how is that romantic? You're sitting in separate tub. You're not. Anyway, right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code armchair. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo, cho- promo code armchair to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them sponsoring the podcast and we also thank them for being good sports because they actually encourage us to have fun with the with the ad read i guess because they know that it's not the easiest thing to talk about and as you guys see i guess i am having a more comfort with talking about it Uh, you know it kind of felt silly in the beginning but now i'm having a little bit more uh fun with it and i hope that you're enjoying them too so now that we've got that out of the way let's get on to our talk with Lori Lattimore Volkman, our friend from SB Nation's Mile High Report, to preview Bears Broncos for week number two. Week number two has our beloved heading out to Mile High or whatever they're calling that place now. I heard somebody say what the name of the stadium is and like, all right, well, that's a mouthful. And uh, has our beloved heading out there to play the Denver Broncos, also 0-1, also coming off of a disappointing national TV uh, loss to a division rival. There's a lot of coinkydinks happening there. And to help us uh, navigate these muddy waters to what could be taking place on Sunday afternoon, as always, from the Mile High Report, Lori Lattimore Volkman. Lori, how are we doing? I am doing pretty well, in spite of my team's pathetic display on Monday night, as you alluded to. But other than that, 
really good. Right. So your husband didn't have to hide the razor blades or anything like that <laughs> after the after that game. Yeah, no. Well, first of all, I'm on the East Coast, and oh right, the, yeah. So, so the like game what? ended at like one thirty. I was going to say it was like two in the morning when you finally got to wrap yeah. that one up, wasn't it? So the next morning, so I was by myself watching the end of that game, and um, <laughs> he the next morning he's like, "How'd it go?" I'm like, "No." He's like, "Don't talk about it." I'm like, "Don't talk about it." <laughs> so that was, that was it. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's pretty much how it was. It's like I, I might. My cube made at work had the day off on on Friday, so I didn't have to share my feelings with anyone because nobody else <laughs> asked me. So it was a good thing, even though it was probably, uh, you know, written all over my face on the, the kind of mood that I was in walking into work. Nobody really said anything to me or or anything like that. That's that's kind of like how that went. So I'm sure that's what Tuesday morning was like for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All day Tuesday. I was in a bad mood. So let's have some fun and talk about these disasters that we both had to sit through <laughs> uh, last week since uh, I don't think either of us expected to be 0-1 uh, when we were having this conversation. I felt very confident about uh, my beloved's uh, you know, chances of finishing or you know, starting 1-0 or being 1-0 when we come in this week. And, and you know, the Raiders are still the Raiders until they're not. So I thought, you know, I'm sure that you felt good about being 1-0 coming into this one. And uh, both of us uh, have lots of questions, about, and strangely enough, about opposite sides of the of the football, whereas the youth, uh, your, your, the question marks coming into the season were for your for your offense. They were the same for the for the Bears, but it was our offense that let us down. But strangely, Monday night, it was the defense that I think did not show up for the for the Broncos on Monday night. Yeah, it was like it was a, a total surprise. I mean, we we've always been leery of our offense, you know, since Peyton Manning left. So for three years, it's been it's been a rough go. And so we were hopeful that this year would be a little better with Flacco, but we didn't know. So it was it was a it was an unknown and a big question mark. But the what wasn't supposed to be an unknown was the defense and particularly the pass rush, which was completely non-existent on Monday night. So it was yeah. it was baffling. I mean, I had a tweet sometime on like, you know, after midnight while I was wallowing in my sorrow <laughs> that it, where I was like, I'm just I'm just dumbfounded. I I honest, I'm angry, I'm I'm tired, but mostly I can't believe that this is what I'm watching from the defense. I just don't get it yeah. <laughs> at all. Yeah. And the, go ahead. Well, as you can see, there's been a little bit of especially you know people smarter than I who do film breakdown have have looked at some things and so in reading those and studying that a little bit I feel less you know concerned that we're going to be terrible all year but that doesn't make me feel any better about that game on Monday night yeah you and I are pretty much in lockstep there I mean it was obviously it was devastating to watch live and, and I'm referring to our our <laughs> offense and and it just it, you know it was and it, you know it, it was very very disappointing because obviously I'm sure you were excited about this first game to get the first real look at your team yeah. uh, with Vic Fangio and what it's going to look like with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb coming off the edge at the same time and uh, very much in the same way that I was interested to see what 
what David Montgomery was going to bring to the offense, what Mitch was going to look like in, in year number two under Nagy with all these guys that, that you know, had grown to have such good chemistry at the end of the season, what they were going to look like in their first, uh, you know, real snaps of, of, of 2019 and all that kind of stuff. And then at the end of the game, you were like, what the hell was that? I, exactly. I, waited, I waited all this time for that. I waited all this time <laughs> for that. For Bear fans, it was almost eight months to the day since we lost to the Eagles. That game was January 6th. We played September 5th, almost eight months to the day. And that's what we got? Are you kidding yeah. me? And remember, yeah. we talked over the summer about the last time we lost a disappointing game to the Packers, and I went on a 40-plus minute uh, profanity-laced <laughs> tirade. Tuesday's episode wasn't far from that uh, or like <laughs> over the weekend. You know, it, I, I knew going in it wasn't going to be pretty. It wasn't quite as vulgar as the last one, but it was close. And, yeah. you know, it, it's just like it's week one. And I know that we're just getting started here. Week one is such an anomalous kind of week. You see it happen every single year. I mean, how many blowouts did we have this weekend? Kansas City killed Jacksonville. Miami was murdered by the Ravens. And Atlanta got beat up by the, by the, by the Vikings, so on and so forth. We see it happen all the time. The Titans and, and the Browns and so on and so forth. So I'm not putting all that much stock in week one being the, the tail of the tape for either of our teams but it sucks to have to wait eight full months and that's what you get when you're coming out of the gates and it's just you can't hide the disappointment that you have in a, for after a performance like that yeah not at all I, I totally agree and part of it too for me and I'm sure for you it was the same but for different reasons you know like you said you've been waiting eight months I had built up my expectations for this year's team were so high mostly oh, yeah. because of Vic Fangio yeah. because of a regime change and and a guy who's a a defensive mastermind I was like this is gonna be amazing and so when it wasn't not only wasn't amazing it was pathetic I was like <laughs> come on and I I really still like Vic Fangio and I want him to work out as our coach. And so I, I think part of my anger is like, don't let this happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, you have to succeed. I am counting on you. Right. <laughs> so you have to figure out how to use this defense quickly. Like I realized, you know, it didn't, he didn't build that defense in Chicago overnight. No. No, and he's very patient. And I, you know, like you have to, I appreciate that, but it's easier to be patient when you're a defensive coordinator. You know, like I, I think the, um, you know, the, the GM and the, the franchise can always be a little more patient with a coordinator than they can with a head coach. So I feel like hopefully John Elway gets it, but you know, John Elway's kind of under the gun too, to, to produce a team and a coaching staff that can win. And so Vic Fangio does not have to go to the playoffs this year. He doesn't necessarily have to have a winning season, but he has to have a team that looks like it knows what it's doing out there. And Monday night it didn't. And I was so it was just I was it was just such a big letdown. I think that's yeah. why I was so angry because I built it up so much more than I have even in the past couple seasons where I you know, you always hope they're going to win. You think they can be pretty good. And then if they don't or they do, you you deal with it. But I was like it was just it, the crash was hard. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so. it was it was, you know, like getting all riled up on caffeine and Red Bull in the crash afterwards. It's just going to be 
hellacious. That's pretty much what it was. It was an eight month build up to a joke that had no punchline. You know, it's like, really, that's it. That's that eight month story. That's what we're going to finish with. That's Yeah. But I mean, it's, I know that it was disappointing for you because anyone that follows you on Twitter knows that your Twitter feed has pretty much been a love letter to Vic Fangio for the last six or seven months. It you has, know, like any has. any quote from him during a press conference, I love my coach. This guy's great. This is why yeah. I love Vic. And, you know, and then it's like, really, Vic, <laughs> eight months of make I'm pumping you up to be the biggest, greatest thing in Broncos history. And this is this is how you make me look. And that's exactly. a lot. That's why Bear fans are so pissed off, because we've all spent the last eight months telling the world Mitch Trubisky yeah. is the real deal. He's going to have an entire offseason with with all the same guys. He's, you know, and, and even Chase Daniels right. backup said during the uh, the during training camp, he's not learning the offense. He's running the offense. And God damn, that's exactly what we want to hear. You know, right. he's, he's throwing well. He's doing good things. You know, all that kind of he's challenging himself against the best defense in football and blah, blah, blah. And everything's going great. And then he comes out, and all of his detractors are all like, yeah, Trubisky's a joke. He's a flop. You guys are going to fall hard. And then Thursday night happens, and you're all like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Come on, Mitch. What are you doing to us, man? Eight yeah. months we've been sitting here talking about how great you are, how great you're going to be. And all the Jason Lock and Foras of the world are like, yeah, you wait and see. And there's nothing worse than being on the wrong end of I told you so. There's oh, nothing worse. Totally. And to totally. have those dickheads out there like, that, yeah, see, see, the guy's a joke. And then go out and watch Mahomes and Watson, his his fellow quarterback class guys, blow up on on, uh, you know, over on week one. And then Mitch Trubisky, yeah. you know, had scored the least points out of pretty much anyone in, in football. And it's just like, oh, great. Thanks. Now it's going to take a monumental level of consistency from him to get those people to be quiet because they're always going to come back to that. Right. They're always yep. going to come back to that. So, I mean, that was that's where I think all of the, the venom and, 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 you know, hatred, you know, that Bear fans have right now or the disappointment and the anger comes from because we've spent the offseason, A, waiting to see this team play again because we had such a disappointing end to the season. And then, B, we've spent all this time pumping up this quarterback. We can't wait to see what he's going to do. And then that's what he does. Like, oh. Come on. It's true. It's you know? true. And then you you in the same in the same vein, like boy, we got some really great pieces on the defensive side. We got Chris Harris and you know on the back end. We got Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. I mean, Vic Fangio didn't start with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and you know, where they had to build that up to get Khalil Mack and Floyd and you know, and all those guys together and Akeem Hicks and you know, just built this up. You guys were in a much better position to succeed right away on defense along with Vic Fangio and his wizardry on the defensive side. And then you come in and you get steamrolled in the first half by the Raiders who are just basically marching down the field effortlessly. I know. I know it was, it was so the thing I, in fact, so let's, we, maybe we can, you can help me out here. I, we, I felt like you, that our defense was probably starting in a better place than the Chicago had when oh, Vic Fangio sure. took over. Yeah. But we, you know, if you watch that Raider game, Isaac Yidem, who was the cornerback, who's really a backup, but Bryce Callahan, the former Bears, is hurt and he's out. And, you know, we were really counting on him, too, being like one of the missing pieces for a, a strong defense because our corner, our corners in particular, but our secondary in general last year was, was pretty weak. And so that was going to be one of the missing pieces. And, 
um, we, 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 I, I was one of those people that really thought we should have gotten a little more fortified at the linebacker, inside linebacker position, knowing how much Vic Fangio likes that position, but we didn't. And they, everyone kept saying, you know, he, he must like what he sees and Todd Davis and whatever. Well then Todd Davis is hurt. And then, um, the backup is hurt. And then we end up putting in a guy who didn't even do training camp with us. So we like, we kind of didn't have a great assemblance there on Monday night, Hmm. but still, I like now. I don't know if we have the if we have as we have Von Miller that and we have Bradley Chubb and they're amazing and Chris Harris Jr. is amazing. But if you don't have two sides of the of that field to be covered, you can do what Derek Carr did and you can just throw to Isaac Yitam's receiver all night long. <laughs> <laughs> and and Derek Carr was able to get the ball out super fast. Yeah. Partly because he's, you know, he's a, a veteran quarterback and he can do that anyway. He's he's always been pretty quick, but it also didn't hurt that he didn't have to go to his third read because on his first read he could see that our quarterback was man to man and off the ball and like, you know, he's going he's going to win that matchup every day. And so Von Miller and Bradley Chubb never even got to him. They didn't have a single quarterback pressure in that entire game. Wow. Like how did how does that happen with those two? Yeah. Yeah, that was um, you know, that was uh some some great A scheming by by Gruden cuz he knew we had to get the ball out quick because those animals are coming, but at the same time it's like not even a pressure, not even yeah. a pressure, you know, can't do what uh you know, like Khalil Mack just damn near shot put tackle into the back of Aaron Rodgers at one point on Thursday. I mean, Mack didn't have any sacks, but he had pressures, yeah. uh, several. That you know, he I think he like Leonard Floyd owes him dinner. Like both of his sacks came via uh, Khalil Mack collapsing the pocket so that he pushed him into Leonard Floyd's hand. Same thing with Roy Robertson Harris. I mean, it might yeah. not have shown up on Mack's stat sheet, but it was showing up on somebody's what he was doing. Uh, on Thursday night, and, and we didn't see that from Chubb and 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 Miller on 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 uh, Monday night. Absolutely, I mean that that that's you're right about the pressures. It there's a lot of games that go by where you know Von Miller gets a sack, you know, just about once a game, and but not every game. I mean, he's been his last couple seasons have been 12, 13 sack seasons. So, but he's getting three or four or five pressures every game. And those make a huge difference because you yeah. hurry your throw and you, it's usually, you know, it, it might be intercepted or it's just an incomplete pass um, or it's short. So it like, it affects the game and they weren't able to affect the game at all. Yeah. If there was like a, another stat, like influencing, influencing the play <laughs> or something like that, Von yeah. Miller, Von Miller and, and Khalil Mag would be among the league leaders in, in that, uh, in that area, but that's not something that we saw from them. And uh, to talk about Bryce Callahan, you know, when it when it came down to the debate in the off season about if we had to keep one or the other, do we want Amos or do we want Bryce Callahan? I was like, as far as who is the better player, I believe wholeheartedly that's Bryce Callahan. But I would take Amos because we can depend on him. Amos has been healthy his yeah. entire career. Bryce Callahan on the other hand, is is more of an impact player. He's the better of the two, but we can't rely on him. So, I mean, never mind that we we lost him during the Rams game to a broken foot for the rest of the season. Apparently, that's the injury that's still bugging him now. He re-aggravated the injury. 
But I mean, we've he. I mean, the guy's grown considerably. He was an undrafted free agent uh, that we got him back in 2015, Fangio's first year, and he's grown in the system to be a guy that was a top flight nickel corner that's earning top dollar uh, on the market. But you can't trust him 100% to be there when you need him uh, to be. So it's like if I had to choose between one or the other, I would pick Amos over Callahan because I know Amos is going to be there on Sunday. Right. And and that's and that's exactly what we needed and exactly what we didn't get. So and and, you know, he's not I they don't they haven't said Vic Fangio said, you know, he still doesn't know about this week. But even if this is his first week back, you know, he hasn't really practiced so that, you know, it's not going to be his best game. And um, so, you know, I, I, I don't I feel like we can't really count on even penciling his name in right now. I'd say he's not he's not in there. And and we just don't have we don't have Isaac Yidem had a really good preseason, but <laughs> preseason you know you do have to consider who he's going against most of the time and right. the type of offense you know that he's going scheme that he's going against is not so confusing or so complicated, but it you know he just got beat and beat and beat. <laughs> I kind of felt bad for him. At the same time, I was angry. So yeah, in in the preseason, you're not going to see a lot of guys attacking a certain player over and over again. Right. And you know, you know, Gruden and, and and company either knew that going in or were were scheming for him because they knew Bryce Callahan wasn't going to be in there, or they were like, oh God, we've got a matchup problem here for the you know the Broncos have a matchup problem here. Let's see how often we can exploit that before Fangio adjust and it was like either he couldn't or he didn't because that was like Waller was a household name by the end of the game uh, on Monday yeah well and Williams too I mean they both of them just and we have always had trouble with the tight end and that's where we've never had really great linebackers to help out and 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 you know take out the tight end so um or (laughs) take out the the play to the tight end (laughs) um so they, you know, Gruden knew that, and we had, um, you know, like I said, we are down to our. I think our really it's our third and fourth um, inside linebacker as our as our two starters. So, it you know it, it wasn't it wasn't even the best of our only hope there. You know, we so he should he would have known to scheme that from the beginning, and then like you said, I think he figured out pretty quickly that Yidem was going to be a great target because he, he wasn't going to be able to handle it. And I like, yeah, I don't know why Vic didn't maybe do something different, but I do feel like after looking at the tape this week, it seems like we just don't have the players that can handle his defense the way we've seen it in Chicago and seen it in San Francisco yet. You know, I'm hoping right. we get some of the starters back and maybe just some of these guys it's figuring out, you know, just being confident in their assignments. One of our, one of our tape guys, one of our film guys particularly picked on Will Parks, who is our, one of our safeties and just pointed out how often he, he didn't seem to know what he was doing and he didn't pick up the right assignment. So it seems like maybe he's not quite, you know, he's just not confident yet in, in knowing his role in the scheme. I don't know. Don't tell the bears that. <laughs> but, My but. lips are sealed, Lori, I promise. 
Um, so speaking of, you know, having the right personnel, you know how the day after the game is where everyone's over, like, a, you know, they call it overreaction Monday, like on NFL Network or on ESPN right. or, or whatever. Did the overreaction Tuesday include we could have had Devin Bush instead of Noah Fant? Why did we trade that pick away? Was there any <laughs> was there any talk of that? Because Devin Bush went with the pick that you guys traded to Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. I'm I, to be honest, I stayed away from the comment section sure. on yeah. that day, but I'm sure there was. I know on Twitter there was not so much picking out Devin, you know, saying Devin Bush's name, but just the fact that we went with a tight end instead of a linebacker. <laughs> and especially, I really like, I, I liked the pick. I mean, I, I think when you and I talked this summer, I, I told you I was, I was shocked and I was a little bit angry, but then when we got a player that, you know, I believed was really good, then I, I was okay with it. Right. But at that time too, you're kind of thinking, well, you know, maybe they'll still try to do something with the linebacker position. We did nothing. We 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 basically kept the players there. We even cut one of them. Like we just I don't know what we were doing. But then our first play of the game, what do we do? We do an end around with the tight end and we hand him the ball in the backfield. He's a tight end, he's a rookie, we're losing the game and we're away. Like why do a trick play to the rookie that's not even his normal role in the in the offense? Like, come on! Like, yeah. I was it was just mind-boggling from the start. <laughs> so, you know, if yeah. you my first tweet of the whole game was, "What the fuck did I just watch for eight minutes?" Because this is <laughs> not this is not what I expected. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's very much how we as Bear fans were feeling. It just kind of like, you know, it just like nothing was going right. We weren't making any of the right calls as far as like it seemed like the, when we had a choice, we always picked the wrong one. And and it also right. kind of seemed like there were moments where, where Nagy, who was our offensive play caller as well as our head coach, was trying to do things like prove he's the smartest guy in the room. Like he was – he had these yeah. moments where he was trying – where it appeared – that he was trying to outsmart Mike Patton instead of just putting the Bears in the best position to succeed. Like he wanted to catch Patton, Patton with his pants down and get all of the yardage at once as opposed to just methodically moving down the field, taking what the defense gives you, that kind of thing. So it was not only was it a performance issue for the Bears, but it seemed like it was a play-calling issue where, where Nagy just was, I don't know if he was doing it emotionally because he was frustrated by what happened in the first half or what the situation was, but it just seemed like every call that we made on Thursday went the opposite way that we intended it to. Yeah, and I think I saw a poll on some Bears site or on Twitter asking fans to to say who, what they thought went wrong, whether it was Trubisky's play or whether it was Nagy's play calling or whether it was something else and probably like the offensive line or something. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, the coach's play calling was the was the winner in the poll. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that. And you know, like you said, when you, you know, listen to the people who watch the film, were able to break it down and see what really happened as opposed to your knee jerk, knee, knee jerk response to what you saw on television and everything. It, it, it does fall less on Mitch after we break down the, the tape. Like there were some real opportunities here. Yes, Mitch did not play well, but 
His offensive line did him zero favors. They were missing assignments. They were holding penalties, calling plays back. And then, of course, Nagy with the play calling, the situations, what we could have done here and what he called, you know, that kind of thing. So it's like I said, nothing went right, which is why I'm glad it was week one and not like week nine for us to have a game like this so we can just blow it off. It's like, guys, it's week one. We started 0-1 last year, and look what happened. So we're going to be fine. We got the horses in the locker room. We're going to be just fine. But we shake this one off. We'll watch the film. We'll learn from it. We'll move on. You know, how much of that are you hearing as far as what the Broncos are are looking forward to this Sunday, even with the Bears coming into town? Well, from fans or from the team? (laughs) Well, I know what the the team's telling you. What are you hearing from fans? Because there are some guys out there that are on Twitter, Facebook, and such that just won't let it go about how Mitch – played and obviously these are people not doing their homework about what really happened on Thursday night so how are the armchair quarterbacks treating it on the Broncos side of things yeah I I mean I think probably a little bit the same the knee-jerk reaction was of course the sky is falling but but then as they think about it and certainly I think there's a lot there's just a lot of rationalization all the way around (laughs) you know there's been a lot of Derek Carr got the ball out really fast and he did but it's not like he's the only quarterback who can do that. And even if, say, Mitch Trubisky is a little slower at getting the ball out than Derek Carr, it's not, it's by like point something seconds. I mean, all these guys get the ball out pretty fast. So yeah. just make that be, oh, that's the only reason we didn't get the pass rush. And then because of that, that's the only reason that, you know, they were able to slice and dice us all the way down the field. It's like, no, <laughs> that's not that's not true. But Definitely a lot of fans, I think, are are reeling it back in and, you know, saying it's just one game. It's just the first week. It was an away game. I, I always, you know, I, I, I feel like it's it's a lot of people rationalizing more than anything. But there's definitely less of the the sky is falling. We hate, you know, this, this team is not going to win another yeah. game. Kind of. Why do they always do this to me kind of thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so now that we're, you know, I think we're we're about 28 minutes into our bitch session here. Um, <laughs> what did the Broncos do well on Thursday or on Monday? Excuse me. What do you guys have to to build on coming into this game against the Bears on Sunday? Well, I do think, ironically, it was our offense that had, you know, some – some promising things. The, um, as I said, you know, the expectation for the offense was pretty low or at least very, I'd say everyone was at a wait and see, you know, let's just see what Flacco does. He didn't play that much in the preseason by design. And, you know, they, even if he had, you know, they're not going to do that much um, with the offense. So you're not going to get a real feel for what it can do. But, um, once he kind of, it looked like, you know, once he kind of opened up a little bit, he had he had some great long passes. He overthrew his receivers a couple times, too. There was still, there's still Joe Flacco in there. <laughs> but, but he, you know, he does have an arm, so it's nice. We have not had a quarterback who, who could, like, throw a long pass when you needed to. You know, they were always, you know, Case Keenum and Trevor Simeon both were just, like, weak had weak arms and so you you just couldn't you didn't have any confidence that they could make the longer throw when it's third and long um or have the the power behind the ball to to do that and Joe Flacco definitely does and our top receivers Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders definitely 
were able to to handle that, you know, and they connected with well, especially Cortland Sutton, which yeah. is a nice surprise, you know, to see the the second year guy come in and do what you always hope the second year guys do, which is make that that leap. Right. So into you know really being able to handle the NFL um, schemes better. His route running is better. It looks like he's, you know, kind of expanded his route tree a little bit. He connected really well. Their chemistry seemed to be good, especially for a first game. So that was promising. And, of course, our running backs, Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, both had some good runs once um, once the offensive line figured out what it was doing. But our offensive line is the, is the real question mark. And Uh-oh. those two things... You know the running back, the running game, and the passing game obviously can't do well if the offensive line can't do anything. And we have an injury, and you guys have a very stout front seven, so yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. <laughs> Flacco and company are gonna have to be on the money, quite honestly. Yeah, we have a very aggravated defense because they were lights out on Thursday night. If I'd have told you going into Thursday night's game that Aaron Rodgers was going to be held to 10 points, they were going to rush for 47 yards, and we're going to sack him five times, you would think the Bears laughed their way to victory uh, last Thursday. But instead, it, it was laughable for all the wrong reasons because that wasn't enough to win the game. Apparently, yeah. we have to shut Aaron Rodgers out to win a football game. I mean, we've, we've gotten progressively better in the last three meet- meetings with – Rodgers, we gave up 24 points week one last year, 17 week 15 to, to shut them out and, and blow them out of the playoffs and end their season. We gave up 10 on <laughs> on Thursday, and we lost. Yeah. We're one yeah. and two against Rodgers somehow. So, um, you know, it just – and you got a defense that's chomping at the bit to repeat their performance or to – or they're, maybe they're coming into this with the mentality that we're going to have to pitch shutouts until this offense <laughs> – figures it out i have so, to tell you we we've been there i mean yeah and even for much last year and the year before too but probably definitely last year the defense was like you know we're apparently holding a team to 17 points is not enough <laughs> yeah we can't even score more than 17 we're gonna we're gonna have to hold them to one touchdown like and they they did consistently, you know, we went up against the Chiefs and even though they scored 27 points or something, that was that was the lowest amount of points they had almost all year. And and we did the same thing with the Rams. Like our def- our offense just was so terrible that, you know, even against just the real powerhouses of of offense, our defense was holding them, but they can't do it all game. I mean, just, yeah. They, you know, it's too tiring if your offense can't stay on the field for longer than two minutes yeah it's um you know and we talked about that when we when we spoke over the summer there were some efforts that the bears gave in 2017 if not for our defense it would have been a lot bloodier than it ended up uh ended up being but you're not you you when you hold aaron Rodgers to 10 points and sack him five times and they can't even rush for 47 yards so you know Rodgers is throwing practically every down you have to win every single time not some of the time every single time you you hold Aaron Rodgers to 10 points some of the greatest defenses ever assembled haven't been able to do that to Aaron Rodgers and we did and we lost still and I think that was the thing was that not only was the offense so disappointing 
the defense was everything people said it wasn't going to be under Chuck, Chuck Pagano. Well, they're going to fall off. The Bears are going to be terrible because Vic Fangio's not calling the yeah. defense anymore. Like, well, I don't hear anybody saying that anymore. Like, oh, yeah, the defense is going to be fine, apparently. You know, with uh, – hell, they might even be better with Fangio because that's a lot better than they did the first time out against Aaron Rodgers uh, last year. So, you know, I guess they're going to be okay. But I don't think anyone anticipated the offense being – what it was and our our defense's uh efforts were basically wasted on on yeah. on Thursday. So I mean that's I think you know the frustration with the offense plus what we got out of the defense and for that to be for nothing in the end was what kind of, you know, encapsulated all the frustration and anger as to, you know, what happened last Thursday. And then you put it on the fact that it's it was on national TV, so everybody got to see that the only game in town uh, that night, and it was against the freaking Packers. So it was just like, if you just wrap that up in a bow, it couldn't go any worse than it did. So uh, the only thing that would have been worse would be for us to have guys falling out of the lineup, and that's not something that the Broncos were immune to, unfortunately, on Monday night. Juwan James isn't coming to this game. They didn't lose him for the season. I heard that as the, the good news, but Juwan James is going to be replaced by an undrafted free agent who's got to play against Khalil Mack on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, and he did not do great when he came in right. to the game on Monday night. So <laughs> Khalil Mack, I mean, he might just he might just step over him and you know run into Flacco in one second. Who knows? Yeah, it, Mack it and is, yeah, Mack and Floyd and Lynch and all those guys are drooling over this right now. Like, oh, wait. I know. I can't I wait to, to get my hands on this kid. I said to some friends this morning who are, you know, Broncos fan who are local here that are also Broncos fans. I'm like, and they're like, what do you, what do you think about the game? I'm like, it's possible Joe Flacco will be in the emergency room by the end of the game. <laughs> yes, it is possible. Unfortunately, yeah. Who's? I mean, and Drew Luck, what's his status for right now? Or Locke, I should say. He, I mean, he's on IR. Right. Set to okay. Return. So he, you know, so, he's not back for six to eight weeks, regardless. So who's so, your backup now? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who is our backup? Oh, it's, great. We, it's um, is it? We, who is it? We, you know, we we cut all the guys we had in in us with camp, and then one of them was um, uh, oh my goodness, the you know, an undraft area. We drafted him. He's a rookie. Brett Brett Rippin, and we plan to keep him, so he's on the practice squad. But um, we had Kevin Hogan for all of the season, like the you know the um, uh, off season and stuff. off season, you know, and through training camp and everything. And then, and then, honestly, I was I was kind of shocked that we that we got rid of Brandon Allen. That's who we picked up. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. I have no idea who that is. Um, <laughs> Nobody does. I mean, yeah. I don't know who it is. <laughs> right. Well, I kind of figured that since you were, you were like clearly stalling while you were looking. For, what was his name? I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, I know. What's his it, name? I mean, it's, he, it, is, uh, it, it was a shocker in a way. Kevin Hogan didn't have a great – I mean, he didn't look very good. But right. you kind of figure, well, he's he's really going to be QB3. It's just that Drew Locke got hurt, so we gotta, he's going to have to stand in. But at least he's been in camp. He's been getting this – playbook you know like why would why would you go with somebody else unless somebody else is really good but i I don't i mean who is this guy can't (laughs) so we need we we not not a single other person can get hurt (laughs) 
basically. Yeah, yeah, it, it's fun being in those in those positions because uh, you know we as Bear fans know uh, twenty fifteen, twenty six, basically the entire John Fox era. We led the league in injured reserve, so we know all about. You know, we can't lose another guy. Oh, there he goes. He's gone. Yeah. You know, and it was just who's this that we're brought that literally brought in off the street? This guy was painting houses last week, and now he's our starting nose tackle. This is great, and yeah. we know all about that. And being down to the, you know, to the Matt Barkleys of the world, and and uh, Josh Bellamy is your number one wide receiver instead of your special teams ace <laughs> kind of thing. We're 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 very familiar with those. Uh, those situations so i i empathize with you guys there and and you know having to put somebody on the field that isn't isn't up to the task or clearly isn't ready uh to to be up there and you got an undrafted rookie right tackle that's going up against the best pass rusher in football uh on sunday like you said very well it could be joe flacco if joe flacco isn't in the emergency room at the end of the day win or lose it was a good day so (laughs) You know, he lived. He lived to I fight know. another day. That might be I the know. best way to look at it. Who knows? So, and know. another fun fact: Elijah Wilkinson, who, who's the one filling in, he is also listed as the backup for two other positions, including right guard, which is Ron Leary, who is often hurt and didn't have a great game, partly because he was, it was his first game back in a year. Um, but like. If a nut, if anybody else goes down on the offensive line, <laughs> I mean, we might be we might be putting some you know wide receiver number six in there. I don't know. We don't we yeah. don't have players to fill in. So I guess this roster really wasn't. Uh, maybe this is just my 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 ignorance, but you know the roster isn't quite as together as I thought it was. Like I, I knew that there were some issues on the offensive side but you know add Fangio to what you already have on defense you're good to go on on that end but it still seems like you guys got a lot of holes to fill on the roster we do I mean like so so our starting linebackers were supposed to be Todd Davis and Josie Jewell and Todd Davis is you know a veteran and Josie Jewell is a second year player I think um but he showed promise and it was sort of like as long as he has Todd opposite him to kind of help direct the the defense there, this is good. But Josie Jewell, um, Todd got hurt, so he's out. Maybe coming back in a you know in a few weeks, but who knows? And hit, the backup was supposed to be AJ Johnson, and I, for whatever reason, Corey Nelson, who's the, a former Bronco linebacker who we cut and then we picked up off waivers this year, we you know we brought him back. But we ended up starting him opposite Josie Jules. So, you know, this guy didn't do camp with us the whole time. Like, it seemed, it didn't seem like the the best choice, but it makes you wonder what's going on with the guys we did have as backups. And we had Joe Jones is also hurt, so he should be, he would have been a sec, another backup. So we're struggling at a very key position for this defense. Yeah, a far cry from Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith manning the middle of the field for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, that's uh, that's something. Because that was always a work in progress uh, for the Bears. I was listening to one of our our beat writers have a podcast, uh, the Hogan Johns. Those guys are really good. And they were like, you know, when Fangio took over the Bears' defense, his linebackers were Christian Jones and Shea McClellan or something like that. It's just like... <laughs> 
oh, geez. And now we've got Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith, two all-pro level linebackers in the middle of the field. And you can sleep a lot easier with those two guys uh, in the middle than you can with whoever we're pulling off the street to fill in the roster spot because somebody has to. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I love having the strong edge rushers we do, but yeah. in a way with the defense, I kind of feel like it's sort of the luxury to have that be your star power, right? Because the workhorses in the middle are the ones getting tested time and time again, those, yeah. those inside linebackers. And I, I'm, I'm becoming like over the last few years, I've started to, to just decide that that, that almost needs to be your strongest position, I mean, that, that's probably a little, may, maybe not quite your strongest, but it cannot be your weakest by any stretch. Like, it, it would be better to have some other parts be weaker, like, like even the edge rushers, I think, because if you have a, if you have a solid front and, you, and you've got linebackers that can cover the middle, you can take away probably 70% of the game, yeah. right? So, um, because once you get to the corners and the, you know you're you're doing a lot of one on one with your receivers there most of the time, so you just it's it just kills you to not have athletic guys who can really run the defense in the middle because that tight end will torch you all day long and it has torched us for three years and well, it might be three and a half. Well, <laughs> lucky four. lucky for you, tight end is the big question mark on on the offense for the Bears right now we don't know they're still calling trey burton day to day uh with the the groin injury we just picked up somebody i've never heard of off of waivers uh as a new tight end pj holtz from the from the redskins uh adam shaheen was our second round pick in 2017 along with trubisky and eddie jackson and he's the glaring hole in that draft class right now when i thought he was going to be the one that could you know because you you have this quarterback we took him um, he's going to be a developmental thing. Eddie Jackson <laughs> is is the all, got all the talent in the world, but he's got an injury history that was a red flag that dropped him into the fourth round. Tariq Cohen is a small, small college running back, and yet we got this six seven. We got baby Gronk here, so I figured <laughs> who, which one of these guys is going to contribute first? I I put all my money on on it being Shaheen, and here we are in. In year number three, the guy's yet to show up for us, and we needed him on Thursday to step in for Trey Burton, who didn't play, and he didn't step up. The the, the guy, Broniker, our, our number three tight end, he can catch some passes, but he's not a number one guy, so it's like the we may, me, we may or may not be able to exploit the matchup that the Raiders were able to take advantage of on Monday simply because we don't have anyone to do it with. Yeah, well, let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, passing my fingers. Right. So what is the outlook for the Broncos, not only for Sunday, but for the for the season? Did Monday, you know, did, did the outlook take a hit on on Monday or uh, after Monday, I should say? I mean, what what are what are people thinking at this point? Well, I, it definitely took a hit because when you when you watch what should be your strongest part of the team, i.e. the defense, just look confused and lost, you yeah. can't feel confident that you know, it's going to win you the games. And we've always been, like I said, even with the offense, even with Joe Flacco and hoping it was going to be better, more efficient, blah, blah, blah. We knew that it's, it was still going to come down to the defense really being able to control 
the game and, and keep the opposing offense from running away with it because we just don't have an offense that's also going to run away with it. Right. So, um, so when you watch the Monday night and you don't even see that, you're like, oh no, it's going to be a long season. <laughs> so, and we have a really tough schedule. Yeah. You know, we, we see you guys, then we go to the Packers and, um, then, you know, we, we have the, we have the chiefs and the chargers right. two out of the next like three or four weeks. I mean, you know, we, we do not have an easy schedule at all. Um, and we have tough away games for the most part. So it, it, I tell you, I am, I am probably the most optimistic fan or especially at, at our blog. Like I'm always the one who's like, it's just week one, quit panicking or, you know, they did some good things. Don't worry about that. Even though I, you know, during a game, I totally panic and freak out. But <laughs> I, this week I've just been like, I don't know, man. I, I, it could be 0 and 16 if we don't pull this together. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard not to feel that way after you see your team uh, perform like that. But as someone, like, I've never been a fantasy football player, I've never enjoyed it when I was, you know, talked into it uh, or anything like that. I've always been a, I've always been a pick 'em guy. And yeah. the toughest week to pick in the NFL season, there are two of them it's week one and week two. Because week one, you usually have one team that's super prepared and another one that is just isn't. And then week two, a lot of that gets undone for whatever reason. They're ready to go and and all that kind of stuff. So 59 to 10 that you saw from the Ravens over the Broncos. Let's see them score nearly 60 on whoever they're playing this weekend and uh, and things like that. You, You could see the teams that got smoked last week, like maybe the Browns come back this week and they torch the Jets on Monday night football uh, or whatever, and, you know, to redeem themselves from how they performed against the, the Titans. I mean, and as a bear fan, I can attest to it week one. I mean, it was years ago, but week one of the 96 season. And I've used this example a lot. 96. We're coming in Monday night football against the defending world champion, Dallas Cowboys. We smoked the Cowboys. We, they didn't even, they were like, they should have been ashamed to even try to get on the same field with us that night. The Bears went like five and eleven that year. So, a lo- <laughs> yeah. all of the you know, so so big deal about what Week One actually means in the scheme uh, of things. You know, the 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 Cowboys went back to the playoffs, and I think they even made it all the way to the NFC Championship game that year, or whatever it was. So it was just the Cowboys were still the Cowboys, and the Bears were still the Bears, regardless of what happened uh, Week One. And it's um, you know, and then Week Two, like I said, does goes a lot of way to undo what happened in week one where you saw your weaknesses all of a sudden they spent the week fixing that and they just happened to have the right opponent coming into town uh on sunday and speaking of which the one thing that i have that's kind of got me leery about this sunday is what what denver's record at home in september has been <laughs> historically like apparently they're really really good that first month of the year do you have any any thought or a theory as to why that might be that they are as successful as they are at that point in the year when everyone's still learning who they are, they're stringing together wins in September at home. Well, that I think it's taken a hit the last couple of years, that record, but, (laughs) but, but also there are a couple things and some of them might seem kind of silly, but for one thing, usually in September, you're mostly still healthy. You know, part we've definitely had issues where, 
by October, November, definitely November and December, you know, you you start you start losing some guys to just injury. So you're never, you know, everyone's tired, everyone's beat up. So it's a little harder. But our home record is amazing overall, not just in September. And so the crowd factor is a big factor. We have, uh, you know, we have a huge, um, a very loyal and sold out crowd week after week. And hopefully it doesn't get, it doesn't take too much of a hit because we've had a lot of good years, even if we weren't going to the Super Bowl or even if we weren't going too far in the playoffs. We had a lot of years that we went to the playoffs. So right. fans have been spoiled with basically good teams you know, for, or at least not a big drought of bad teams, but we're, we're working on that right now. (laughs) We're going to be really testing those fans, um, this year and and maybe the next couple years while we really try to build back up. But so the crowd factor and the fact that, you you know, you're basically your whole team usually is healthy. We're, we're not in that this time, but here's the other thing, the altitude and the heat you know, it's hot in September a lot of times. So, you know, which seems a little odd for Colorado, but I have gone to games the last few years in September and it's like 95, 90, you know, in the stand. So, you know, down on the field, it's like that. So you combine that heat with the, the high altitude and for, especially for teams not used to high altitude, it's a, you know, it, it, it wears you down even more than you might think by that second half. So right. well, that is, that truly has been an advantage for us. Right. Well, answer me this then. Cause I'm, I've never been to uh, Denver or Colorado for that matter. But, um, as someone who's lived his entire life in the Midwest and as someone who has traveled to Las Vegas, I know that there is a huge difference between heat and humidity. Is it humid right. in Colorado? No, it is not. Okay, it's, so th- it's a dry heat. Now okay. everyone will tell you that it's a dry heat. It doesn't feel that hot. But well, it's I mean, hot. I I I've really found out what the difference between the two was because I've been to, to Las Vegas two times in my life. The first time I went, it was in November and it was sixty degrees, which I found very disappointing. You know, it's like it's the <laughs> desert. Why do I still need a jacket in Las Vegas? And this is crazy. But the last time that I went was in was in, during the preseason in August of. 2015 when the average high while I was there was 106 so you know and going outside yeah it's it's freaking hot outside but it was nothing compared to the 84 and humid that I came home to when I landed in Illinois upon my return like we we came in at night it was nine o'clock at night so the sun is gone but I could still like I was glistening by the time I got back to my car (laughs) in the parking lot because of how humid it was, even though it was like 82 degrees, it was literally like 20, 25 degrees cooler. And yet I was I was bathing in, you know, I was swimming in my clothes by the time I got back to uh, my car, as opposed to the like you want to keep moving when you're in the desert right. because the sun right. will beat you down. Y- you can stand and do nothing in the humidity and you can just be drenched uh, standing there doing nothing. I mean, it's I mean, you live in South Carolina. It's the same out there, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's, so it, you're totally right. The humidity drains your energy. Yes, absolutely. You know, because you just – it is so thick and so it, – it is crushing, whereas the, just the heat out west is just hot. So yeah. we, we were in uh, Sacramento this summer, and it was 105. My two boys were running in a 
in a track rate at a track meet and you know they were running the mile the high noon it's 105 and it's horrible yeah but it actually was not as hot as them running here even in the you know like fall or or spring when it's when it's 90 degrees and humid or 85 and humid like you said because it that it's just so oppressive the humidity but the heat the heat with that altitude Altitude, sure will just beat you down yeah and unfortunately when uh when somebody asked naggy this week um what uh where does the humid or where does the altitude rank? And he's like, it was somewhere near the bottom. I was like, oh, that's a disaster waiting to happen. <laughs> if we're not I, doing anything I, to counteract the altitude, or we're going to be out of gas by the end of the first quarter. You know the way this guy's talking. But the, the, you know, there's not much you can do. You, right. You just, I mean, you can you can do different things maybe when you practice to try to simulate that, but not much. We my kids who are runners. They had to run at Reno last year, and so you know it's you know it's in or in in Nevada, and it's it's about same uh, five thousand feet up, so it's almost a mile high, just like Denver. And uh, we would they would try to practice by running with like with with uh, claws over their mouths so they do, they don't get as much oxygen in. Sure, <laughs> like, sure, yeah. Yeah, it didn't help. They were all dying <laughs> when they got there. <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't think you want to do that with 300-pound linemen, you know, no. with a helmet no. on. Here, put this cloth over your mouth and see how well you can breathe while we practice. Yeah, Akeem, 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 <laughs> yeah, Claire, exactly. you know, so, yeah, exactly. we don't want that. We don't want that, so. All right, well, Laurie, I'm looking forward to Sunday one way or the other, um, you know, unless we run into a uh, – uh, you know, Arizona Detroit situation where neither one of them seemed to want to win the game at the end there. Um, oh, where one of us is going to have a one and one record. And one of us is going to be uh Oh, and two. So, um, you know, I, I look forward to the game. I wish you guys the best of luck. Of course, you know, much like you, I also love Vic Fangio and I want to see him succeed out there in Denver, even though it cost us having him, calling our defense so um you know aside from this sunday i'm i look forward to seeing what the broncos are able to put together out there yeah and i i i really look forward to i hope it's a good game i mean yeah yeah i i hope both our teams you know figure out what they didn't do last week and put together a good game plan players have you know a little bit better sense of their assignments and so that it's it looks like good football out there and a you know a good contest and a fun game that way, when you when you have games like that, losses never feel good. I'm not right. I'm not into that. But as a fan, you can be like you can build on that. And he, I think as players too, you recognize all right, we actually played well, we played a really good team, so that then I'm encouraged. You know, whereas you played poorly, it's very discouraging. So well, I just I just hope that everybody bounces back for a good game, and then whatever happens. Even if we're zero and two, I think we go to the Packers with a lot more confidence sure. that we could turn this around. Yeah, I mean, and, and especially as football fans, having this being subjected to what we had to sit through week one, every game, <laughs> every game that I watched was a blowout. Uh, you know, Kansas City, Jacksonville, Atlanta, Minnesota, uh, New England and Pittsburgh, uh, Dallas and the Giants. I mean, one 
it was like one heavyweight fighting uh, a midget that that was over and over again in all the games I watched, which was so amazing about watching Houston and New Orleans in the yeah, first game. That was a great game. It's like actual competition, two teams ready to play, one throwing one haymaker after another, and no one wants to go down, you know, in this fight kind of thing. And that's what I'm hoping that we can see uh, on Sunday, win, lose, or draw, is some competition, two teams that are both ready to play and ready to put their best foot forward as a football fan. That's what I, I want to see. I want to see some good football from both sides. And then uh, because how can you, even as a Texans fan, how can you feel bad about what happened right. on Monday night? Obviously it I sucks know. that you lost, but the guy had to kick a 58-yard field goal. And, and how often does that happen uh, right. in the NFL? That's what it took, a last-second 58-yard field goal to beat you. But otherwise, you did everything that you needed to win uh, the football game, so you should feel good about where you are and where your team is going. I hope that's how we both feel after this Sunday. Me too. Yes, I'll drink to that. All right, <laughs> Lori, where can we uh, keep up with you uh, throughout the uh, in the social media spectrum? Well, you'll find me throwing out some expletives on Sunday afternoon <laughs> at <laughs> at D O C L L V Doc L L V on Twitter. And then you can also find me at milehighreport.com, find my articles, and sometimes my bitch sessions there, too. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Lori, thanks so much. It's always great to have you on. I look forward to doing it again in the future. And uh, we'll talk to you again. What's that? I I was just going to say, I'll I'll look for you online on Sunday. It'll be fun. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll be out there. I do a lot more observing than talking. On Sunday, because it always seems that I can't. T- I'm, I'm a great typist, even with my fat fingers on the touchscreen phones. I'm very good at it, but it also seems like whenever I want to put something in there, something like th- I'm two plays behind by the time oh, I actually yeah. get it posted. So it's I, true. I it's usually true. avoid doing it during the game because usually, like when you're reading, it, it's like, what's he talking about? That that was like five minutes ago. Why why is he complaining <laughs> yeah. about this now? It shows that he just tweeted this six seconds ago. Why is he talking about, is he he behind? What's going on with him? So, yeah, Yeah. I usually avoid the tweeting just because I always fall behind so easily. And it also takes my eyes off the screen, and I don't want to miss anything. So uh, I'm sure that you'll be out there and you'll be active, and I'll get a chance to respond to you from time to time. So (laughs) Excellent. Thanks for coming on again. It's a good one. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. I want to thank Lori for coming on the show. I love having her on. We always seem to have such a great time uh, talking and um, look forward to creating some kind of excuse to get her back on because it's been since the 2015 season was the last time we had her on before we had her before the you know, for the uh, opponent preview uh, over over the summer. So she's just too much fun to talk to. I'm going to have to find a reason to get her come to get her to come back on the show again at some point and not have to wait till 2023. Uh, before we get to see the Broncos and Lori uh, again. So um, real quick, guys, want to go through my, my what I think the keys to the game are for uh, for, for Sunday afternoon. And, um, you know, the, the, it's, it's real simple. The, the three keys to the game for me, balance the offense, a.k.a. run the ball more. It just – we've we got David Montgomery, we got Mike Davis, we got Tariq Cohen. How about – giving Tariq Cohen the ball out of the backfield as opposed to 
lining him up in the slot and, and running pattern. I mean, he's an he's a valuable asset at the you know out of the backfield as a receiver. Lining him up in, in the slot is uh, you know uh, is a matchup problem for for defenses, and that's great. But how about we actually line him up in the backfield and have him the football? Because he actually did some good things with the ball last year coming out of the backfield. David Montgomery, he runs the football like he's angry, like he's trying to prove something with every carry that he gets. I would love to see some more of that uh, against the Broncos, especially with the issues that they're having. Like once you get through the first level, I feel like if we get past the front four or the front three or the front five, whatever it is for Denver, however Vic is lining them up, if we get through the first level, I feel like our running backs can eat all day long. I really do, because you heard Lori and her concerns about the inside linebacker position. It's a far cry from having Trevathan and Roquan uh, back there like we do. And, you know, she's not all that keen on their secondary uh, either. And Chris Harris is a corner, so he's not going to be coming in making too many tackles uh, on the second level. He's more likely to be a guy that's trying to save a touchdown uh, kind of thing. So I just feel like if we can get – if our offensive line can get our running backs to the second level, It'll be a long day for the Broncos and a great day uh, for us. It can also set up play action, give Mitch the time he needs to find receivers and make some throws, make some plays, move the chains, maintain. Because we got to be a lot better. I mean, this was a defense last week in the Broncos that allowed 73% third down conversions last week. And that was obviously an issue for the Bears on Thursday against the uh, against the Packers. So, if 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 we can get the ball running, we can start moving the chains. Um, it I think that would be huge uh, for the uh, for the Bears. It can open everything else. We should be a run first offense this week. I feel because like I said, with the issues that they're having at the second level, they've got guys. She said one guy was wasn't with them throughout training camp. He used to play for the team, but not under Fangio's uh, system. Uh, if if the if. Uh, the, the one guy that she was talking about, if he comes back, he's banged up. So that's, uh, you know, he's coming off an injury and so on and so forth. We've, we've got things to take advantage of there. And I, th- I th- really think we should be a run-first offense, not even really so much to help out Mitch or anything, but just because I think the matchups favor us in running the football this week. You know, it would also take a half a step off of Chubb and, and Miller because they can't pin their ears back and come because we're not going to throw the ball 35 times in a row like we did last week against uh, against Green Bay. I think if we run the football, they can only do uh, so much. And play action, that's – the play action is set to freeze the defenders, freeze the linebackers, freeze the pass rushers. You know, do they, do they have to drop back into coverage – and 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 so on and that's that's what it's for and i in order to 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 do effective play action you have to be able to run the ball and after last week's performance nobody believes that we're going to run the football so we need to establish that first i think we should be a run first offense um on uh, on sunday and you know in talking about that the 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 main key for the offense, I think the interior was the big issue last week. James Daniels wasn't that great, and Kyle Long, Cody Whitehair, uh, all struggled. It seemed like our tackles did their job for the for the most part, but this week it is the tackles that we kind of need to depend on this week. With Chubb and Von Miller coming off the edge, that's that's going to be the matchup there. Charles Leno versus Miller, Bradley Chubb uh, versus Massey and 
I do believe that they they mix it up. But our edge, our our tackles against their edge rushers, is going to be the matchup to watch, especially if we get pass happy like we did last week against the uh, the Packers. Uh, it it doesn't mean that they won't take advantage of the twists that confuse the Bears last week. That last play on fourth down when the Bears were playing for their lives in that football game started out I think it was Preston Smith that made the sack on on Mitch there at the end he started out on the edge and then twisted towards the middle and had a clear path to Mitch that got the sack that ended the football game uh essentially so uh it it doesn't mean that the interior line doesn't need to be better it's just that with who we're going up against and who their best players are on that defense it's the tackles that need to step up uh this week uh other second key to the game we got to cut down uh, on mistakes you guys have heard me preach over and over again last year going into that Rams game especially whoever is the team that makes the fewest mistakes would be the team that won the Bears made more mistakes than the Packers last week and that's why we ended up losing we had that interception we had the penalties that was a two steps one step forward two steps back thing uh, for the Bears last week we we're first and 40 at one point uh, in the third quarter or was it the fourth quarter it doesn't matter we were first and 40 at one point in the game that's outrageous you know we had to get 30 yards to get to the original line of scrimmage so getting 30 yards on a drive is like that's like a halfway decent drive you you've moved the chains a couple of times you ate up some clock before you had to give the football back that's not bad you know it's not a, it's not a touchdown it's not a score but you kept the defense uh kept our defense gave them a chance to rest kept their offense off the field so on and so forth that that's a win on some in some games <laughs> You're first and 40. You got to do 30 yards just to get back to zero again. Uh, that's not good. So we need to cut back on the penalties, the mental errors, like the ones that Brett Coleman talked about in the video uh, of Mitch Trubisky. Everybody just – obviously everyone just needs to be better this week. But that's where we need to cut back. We had too many, too many penalties and those really bad, painful uh, penalties, those ones that cost us opportunities – uh, in the football games those were the the things that really killed us and then I think on defense the one thing we didn't do against the Packers we sacked Aaron Rodgers five times we limited them to 10 points we sh- shut them down only 47 yards rushing the one thing we didn't do against Green Bay that probably would have made all the difference in the world no turnovers uh, last week and I feel like if we can get uh, some turnovers especially early against this Broncos team that could open the floodgates uh, for us I mean this seems like a team not that they're mentally weak but it just I just feel like if we got some turnovers we're able to put some early points on the board with the way that they struggle on offense and the defense that we're bringing uh, to mile high on Sunday that can mean all the difference in the world it could very much be a situation where a 10 point 10 to nothing lead or a 13 to nothing lead at the end of the first quarter might as well be 130 uh, uh, to nothing with the way our defense is going to handle them and what their offense is going to have to do to catch up to us and so on and so forth I really do think that we can create some turnovers early a it gets the ball back in the hands of our offense it's 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 always uplifting when you have that change it's the change in in momentum that swing when you you know you're giving the ball back to your offense to see them do something with it put some points on the board or put the points on the board yourself let Eddie Jackson get you know eat some uh, on Sunday let's get our first pick six of 2019 and see Eddie do his thing so uh, create some turnovers on defense it's uplifting to the team and I think it could be morally um, it could be you know demoralizing I should say for the uh, for the Broncos uh, on Sunday so 
Those are the main keys uh, as I see it. Uh, I'm very confident that our beloved will come away with the victory uh, on Sunday. I think it's setting up very well. But then again, we felt that way various times last week about other road games like the like the Giants and the Dolphins. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we didn't play as well on the road as we should have last year. But I and we're only two and a half game, two and a half point favorites. For those of you who are interested, check it out on my bookie. And um, we're only two and a half point favorites on the road uh, against the Broncos this week. Hopefully the game won't be that close. I really feel like this could be a get-back game uh, for the Bears, especially if we are aggressive on defense. If we make some plays, we establish ourselves on offense. I think we'll be fine going forward, uh, you know, into week three against the against the Redskins on Monday night. So, anyway, that is going to do it for the week two preview of the Bears Talk Underground. Come back on Monday. Monday night, I'll be back reviewing uh, this game between the Bears and the Broncos. Will I have to throw another explicit tag on it, or will I just be so happy and free that I just laugh and giggle my way through uh, our first Victory Monday uh, of 2019? Come back on Monday and find out. Until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.